نعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما نافعا السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته Welcome to the Reflections on the Risale-i Nur by Bediüzzaman Said Nursi podcast series. You can listen to the episodes of this series wherever you listen to your podcasts or on the website www.reflections-rn.org. We have read through the first five words five treatises in the uh, book named Words by Bediüzzaman Said Nursi or Ustad Nursi. In this episode, inshallah, we are going to read the sixth word. We may not be able to finish it in this episode and maybe continue for another one. Bismillah. Sixth word. Altıncısız. Sixth word. بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم إن الله اشترى من المؤمنين أنفسهم وأموالهم بأن لهم الجنة God has purchased from the believers their selves and possessions in return for the garden in return for the paradise This is from uh, Surah At-Tawbah the ninth chapter of the Quran and it is the 111th verse it is from the 111th verse i will read it again bismillahirrahmanirrahim inna allah ashtara minal mu'minina anfusahum wa amwalahum bi anna lahumul jannah god has purchased from the believers their selves and possessions in return for the garden the following treaties the sixth word is an interpretation of this verse this this uh, sentence from the 111th verse of surah tawbah let's read it nefis ve malını cenab-ı hakka satmak ve ona abd olmak ve asker olmak ne kadar karlı bir ticaret ne kadar şerefli bir rütbe olduğunu anlamak istersen şu temsili hikayeciyi dinle. So in the verse we just read it says God has purchased from the believers their selves and possessions. And Ustad Nursi is saying here if you want to understand what a profitable deal and honorable status it is to sell yourself and possessions to God and to be his slave and soldier. Listen to this small parable. So God says that he purchased ourselves and our possessions. And Ustad Nursi is saying, if you want to understand what a great thing this is for you, who is you? Of course, we know by now. It is our own selves, our compulsive selves. This is addressed to our compulsive selves. And along with it, to our 
spirit, heart, conscience. What, what needs to be convinced, what needs to uh, capitulate its stubbornness. That is the compulsive self. If you want to understand what a profitable deal and honorable status it is to sell, sell yourself and possessions to God and to be his slave and soldier. Why slave and soldier? That's the meaning of the word abd. We are slaves of God. And we are also soldiers in the sense that we are in his command. We are obedient to his command. Listen to this small parable. Bir zaman, bir padişah, raiyetinden iki adama, her birisine emaneten birer çiftlik verir ki, içinde fabrika, makine, at, silah gibi her şey var. Once, a king gave two a king gave to two of his men each an estate, a large farm field, an estate, containing all necessary workshops, machines, horses, arms, and so on and so forth. There are two men. They are slaves, subjects of a king. The king gave them each an estate. And these are really, really... Um, Perfect, beautiful estates. They have everything that one would need in order to live there. Workshops, not only live but also produce. Workshops, machines, horses, arms, and so forth. Fakat fırtınalı bir muharebe zamanı olduğundan hiçbir şey kararında kalmaz. Ya mahvolur veya tebedül eder gider. So the estates were perfect, but the times were not. However, because this was a turbulent time of war, Nothing remained stable. All things either faced destruction or transformed and lost their utility. So the men have the estate, but the question is, how do you maintain this? How do you preserve it? How do you make sure that it keeps functioning? That is difficult because this is a time of war. It's difficult to procure anything that you need in order to maintain the farm. It is difficult to Protected from enemies that might want to come and steal and so on and so forth. Padişah o iki nefere kemali merhametinden bir yaveri ekremini gönderdi. Having utmost mercy, so the, the king was a utmostly merciful king. Not just any king, an utmostly merciful king. Having utmost mercy... The king sent a most noble officer of his to convey an immensely, immensely compassionate proclamation to these two soldiers. So, it's also important. He did not leave them alone. He knows the situation. He did not leave them alone. He sent them who? He sent them a most noble officer. Yaver Ekrem. This is usually translated in normal translations as aide de camp from French. A com yeah, I think of a commander at time of war. This is the you know top commander, the chief of the command, the, the person on the very top. This person is not going to communicate with everybody you know one on one. He will have a an aide, somebody who is in charge of. Uh, taking care of his communications. Somebody who is going to be his messenger to 
you know, regular soldiers, somebody who is going to bring him messages, somebody who is going to arrange the timing of things. So this is called aid the camp or Yahweh Ekram, but not just any uh, Yahweh, not just any aid the camp. It's Ekram. This is a most noble, most honored messenger. Gayet merhametkar bir ferman ile onlara diyordu. So having utmost mercy, the king sent a most noble officer of his to convey an immensely, immensely compassionate proclamation to these two soldiers. So it's not just any proclamation. It is it's the perfect fit. It's exactly what they need at this time and more. These two servants, these two slaves, soldiers, were sent to this estate. They were given the estate. It was perfect. MashaAllah. They were very happy. But then they recognized, this is not staying. This is going away. And we cannot maintain it. And they were desperate as a result. And right at that moment, the king sent his noble messenger to them to proclaim a compassionate proclamation. A compassionate message that contained exactly what they needed. <clears throat> what was it? He said, Elinizde olan emanetimi bana satınız. Ta sizin için muhafaza edeyim. Beyhude zayi olmasın. Hem muharebe bittikten sonra size daha güzel bir surette iade edeceğim. Hem güya o emanet malınızdır. Pek büyük bir fiyat size vereceğim. Hem o makine ve fabrikadaki aletler benim namımla ve benim tezgahımda işlettirilecek. Hem fiyatı hem ücretleri bin, birden bine yükselecek. Bütün o karı size vereceğim. Hem de siz aciz ve fakirsiniz. O koca işlerin masarifatını tedarik edemezsiniz. Bütün masarifatı ve levazımatı ben deruhte ederim. Bütün varidatı ve menfaati size vereceğim. Hem de terhisat zamanına kadar elinize bırakacağım. İşte beş mertebe kar içinde kar. So it was long but it's a package. He offers them a package, a really advantageous package. And listen to what he offers to them. He said, <clears throat> Sell what I have temporarily trusted into your hands to me. So what's going on here? The king owns the estate. The king gave the two men each an estate. He trusted these estates to them temporarily. He did not give them to them, give the estates to them in possession to possess. He sent them there. He told them go and you know make use of it. He gave the right to use to these two men each. But what is he saying? He is saying. Sell what I have temporarily trusted into your hands to me, as if it is theirs, so that I will keep it for you, and it will not be wasted wasted in vain. Good. Then, keep listening. I will return it to you in a better condition at the end of the war. So it's time of war. It's going to go into destruction. The king is going to preserve it, not only preserve it, he is going to improve it. And he is not going to take away at the end of the war. He is going to keep and you know, return it. Moreover, I will pay you a large price as if it is your property. It is already the king's property, but he is offering to give you a price. Those machines and tools 
will continue to operate in my name at my workplace. So they will not lie idle. He is going to keep making them work. Their values and usage fees will increase a thousandfold because if they are, you know, if they lay idle in the farm, what are they worth? Very little, maybe the material that they are made of. But they will keep functioning, and as they keep functioning, they will produce, they will be productive, and their price will increase accordingly, maybe a thousandfold. And I will give all the income that they generate to you. So he is not only giving a price for the estate that he already owns, he is also giving a price for the, the, the products that the machinery and other productive equipment and things in the farm are producing. Besides, so that's not all, there is more. Besides, you are needy and powerless. Are they not? These two slaves, they found themselves in the middle of the war. They have the estate, but they cannot preserve it. You are needy and powerless. Ads and fakr. You should also remember this. Or fakr and ads. You cannot meet the necessary expenses of these massive enterprises. Maintaining a farm, working a farm, an estate, requires to you know, buy raw material, energy costs, rent, hired labor. There are all sorts of expenses. And these slaves don't have it. They have the estate, but they, they don't have the operation costs. You cannot meet the necessary expenses of these massive enterprises. I will assume the provision of all of their expenses and equipment. But I will give all the accruing revenue and benefits to you. So the king will pay for the operation costs, but he will still let the uh, temporary possessors of the place keep the profit. Isn't this Wonderful, but that's not that is not all yet. Moreover, I will let you keep them in your possession until the time of demobilization. He is going to let the the men keep the uh, the the machinery and the farms and everything in the estate in their possession in the farm. They are going to work in the king's name, but. The men are going to, uh, to, to, to continue to possess them. Until when? Until the time of demobilization. At the time of demobilization, they will be given something better. So, here is an option involving five layers of profit. Five layers of profit. <clears throat> but, we need to be careful. This is an offer. The two men who were sent to each sent to these estates have the option to say yes or no to this offer. Let's read it quickly one more time. What is the offer? Sell what I have temporarily trusted into your hands to me so that I will keep it for you and it will not be wasted in vain. I will return it to you in a better condition at the end of the war. Moreover, I will pay you a large price as if it is your property. Moreover, those machines and tools will continue to operate in my name at my workplace. Their values and usage fees will increase a thousandfold, and I will give all the income that they generate to you.
Besides, you are needy and powerless. You cannot meet the necessary expenses of these massive enterprises. I will assume the provision of all of their expenses and equipment, but I will give all the accruing revenue and benefits to you. Moreover, I will let you keep them in your possession until the time of demobilization. Here is an option involving five layers of profit. We should all think, would I take it? Would I take it? Would I take it? Yes, I would take it. That's what I am saying. I am saying I would take it. But everybody should ask this question to themselves. As we you know, mentioned many times before, we each need to listen to this as if it is addressed, it is being addressed to our own selves. We should not listen to this as if we are listening to a soccer game on the radio. We should answer these questions. We should question ourselves when there is a question to be posed here. And there is a question here. Would I take that offer? It sounds unintelligent not to take it to me at this point. It sounds very unintelligent. Eğer bana satmazsanız zaten görüyorsunuz ki hiç kimse elindekini muhafaza edemiyor. If you do not sell the property to me, you already see that no one can hold on to their possessions permanently. Now, this is what happens if these two men don't take the offer. And it, it is the natural consequences of not taking the offer because the war is going on. The king is not threatening him, threatening them. The king is not threatening them by, by even like punishment. He is saying this is the natural consequence of what will happen if you don't you if you don't take the offer, if you don't sell it to me in the way that I described. Herkes gibi elinizden çıkacaktır. Hem beyhude gidecek, hem o yüksek fiyattan mahrum kalacaksınız, hem o nazik, kıymetdar aletler, kıymetdar aletler, mizanlar, istimal edilecek şahane madenler ve işler bulmadığından bütün bütün kıymetten düşecekler. Hem idare ve muhafaza zahmeti ve külfeti başınıza kalacak, hem emanete hıyanet cezasını göreceksiniz. İşte 5 derece hasaret içinde hasaret. So, there were five layers of profit involved in selling it. And look what happens if they don't sell it. If you do not sell the property to me, you already see that no one can hold on to their possessions permanently. What you possess will slip out of your hands as, as it happens to everyone else. Look around. I sent you to a land. I sent you to a land and, and, and I gave you each an estate. And there are other people with their estates around. Go travel, look around. See if there is anyone who has been able to hold on to the estate in this time of war without selling it to me. Look, you will see that nobody, there is no exception. This is a a category with no exception. There is no one out there who has been able to hold on to the estate. Look around. What you possess will slip out of your hands as it happens to everyone else. It will disappear without leaving any returns and you will miss the high prize that I am offering. You will miss the prize that I am offering. Those sensitive and precious tools will totally lose their value in the absence of suitable materials to process 
and tasks to fulfill. You have all these machinery, equipment, but you don't have the raw material. You don't have the markets to sell the produce. Besides, you will continue to carry the burden of managing and protecting those estates. If you don't sell, you possess it, therefore you are responsible for it. You are responsible to hold on to it, to preserve it in time of war, and you are also responsible for making sure that things in there work. And you will receive now responsibility. Remember, there is a responsibility. You will receive punishment for betraying your trust in the end. Because this was not given to them to own. This was entrusted to them. This was given to them in trust. You will receive punishment for betraying your trust in the end. <clears throat> the loss of the prophets that were mentioned in the first offer is the greatest punishment. What a loss this is. Here is an option involving five layers of loss. Here is an option involving five layers of loss. Then let, let's ask to ourselves one more time. Would I take the offer? Five layers of profit versus five layers of loss. So would I take the profit or would I take the loss? Okay. It still sounds like it would be really, really unintelligent if I did not take this offer. But, you know, as we keep going on, as we come to the reality of this, we should think that we are actually, on a daily basis, having moments and you know prolonged moments in which we are not selling the property to to the king and there are many out there who do not sell it why why what is going on we need to think about it but let's keep re reading first hem de bana satmak ise bana asker olup benim namımla tasarruf etmek demektir adi bir esir ve başıboza bedel ali bir padişahın has serbest bir yaveri askeri olursunuz Furthermore, selling what you have to me means becoming my soldier and acting on my behalf. So they are, they are the king's subjects. They were sent to the estates. They are not soldiers yet. They are slaves. They are subjects. But to, to be a soldier, they also need to admit the responsibilities of being a soldier. If they don't, and that's quite common and possible, there are, there are consequences for it. But what does it mean to be the king's soldier? Furthermore, selling what you have to me means becoming my soldier and acting on my behalf. Acting on behalf of the king? Like going to somewhere and saying, I came here on behalf of the king and this is what I want. This is what I need. This is what I demand. Or going to a place and you know, entering the room and saying, I came here, I am the needy, impotent person that you see I am, and this is what I want, this is what I need, this is what I demand. Imagine the difference, and here remember the first word. Remember how Basmala, saying Bismillahirrahmanirrahim, uh, puts that authority behind us in our acts the authority of the possessor of everything the merciful possessor owner of everything in his name 
Instead of carrying yourself around as a lowly captive or irregular soldier, you will become a distinguished and free officer under the command of an exalted king. Here the word um, free is also important. Serbest bir yaveri askeri olursunuz. Serbest. Free. Free of what? This person just accepted the commander as the commander. Just entered into service. Is just enlisted in the army. He became a soldier. But by becoming a soldier, he became free. What does that mean? We talked about this. We talked about this. There is no, no absolute freedom out there. We are all slaves. We are all bound by the circumstances of the world that we live in or the earth that we live on and we are all bound by our needs and desires and our capacities we can either be slaves or soldiers of our selfish and vain desires or a slave and soldier of the Lord who possesses owns everything there is no other way there is no absolute freedom out there that is a fairy tale Instead of carrying yourself around as a lowly captive to the circumstances, the physicality that surrounds our existence, the vain and selfish desires and the needs and the impotence that defines our humanity. Instead of carrying yourself around as a lowly captive to all of these or an irregular soldier, you will become a distinguished and free officer under the command of an exalted, exalted king. Onlar şu iltifatı ve fermanı dinledikten sonra o iki adamdan aklı başında olanı dedi. Baş üstüne ben maal iftihar satarım. Hem bin teşekkür eder. Having received this favor from the king and listened to his decree, the reasonable one among those two men said, By all means, I will sell with pleasure. I will sell with pleasure. And thank you a thousand times. He was reasonable. He understood the situation. He understood the great profit that he could he could attain accrue by taking this offer. He, he saw the compassion and mercy behind this offer. And he, he is happy to take refuge in the protection of this king, of the king who owns what he thinks he is in his possession. By all means, I will sell with pleasure. And thank you a thousand times. He is reasonable and he's, he sees. He has this, uh, you know, piercing uh, vision that sees the mercy in it too, the compassion in it too. And he does not only take the offer, he, he, is, he, is, he is grateful for it. Diğeri mağrur, nefsi firavunlaşmış, hodbin, ayyaş, güya ebedi o çiftlikte kalacak gibi. Dünya zelzelelerinden, dağ dağlarından haberi yok, dedi. Yok. Padişah kimdir? Ben mülkümü satmam, keyfimi bozmam. The other one was arrogant and self-centered. Possessing a soul swollen with pride like a pharaoh. Lost in a state of inebriation. And obvious to the, and oblivious to the tremors and turmoils of the world. As if he would stay in that estate forever. He said, No. Who is the king after all? 
I won't sell my property, nor will I ruin my comfort. This first sentence that we read is very important. In a sense, it provides a comprehensive explanation of how and why people out there do not take this offer. How and why our compulsive souls are so resistant to such a wonderful offer. The other one was arrogant. Mavrur. Arrogant. And self-centered. Arrogant and self-centered. So, one of the reasons why we fail to take the offer of selling ourselves and our property to God in return for the garden, in return for paradise, is that we are arrogant and we are self-centered. We cannot see the benefit in the, in, the, in the offer. We cannot bring ourselves down from the falsely imagined, falsely assumed heights where we, we think we are res residing. We, we misconstrue slavehood to God as something lowly. It is not lowly. But we, we cannot see the lofty station of being a slave to God. And because our nefs thinks it is lowly and it assumes itself, falsely assumes itself to be you know, in, in the heights above there, it refuses. It resists. It's arrogant and self-centered. It cannot see the reality beyond its its small self. The, the other one was arrogant and self-centered. Possessing a soul swollen with pride like Pharaoh. Pharaoh, prideful, thinks that he is the rub. He is the master of everything. He cannot, again, bring himself down. Swollen. His soul, his compulsive soul, his ego is swollen or lost in a state of inebriation so maybe he is not too prideful maybe he is not too arrogant maybe he is not too self-centered although all of these may exist there in various to, to various degrees he may be lost in a state of inebriation he cannot see reality anymore his vision is blurred his hearing is blurred his capacity to process information is blurred. His mental capacity is lowered. His mindset is altered. Why? In a state of inebriation. Maybe he is drinking. Maybe he is into some other kind of addiction. Maybe he is addicted to some other kind of desire of the self. He cannot see reality in, in anymore. The way they say about uh, you know worldly love, when somebody falls in love the, the first time, the world is all pink and everything is is pink and a. But this person loses loses accuracy of vision. He or she cannot see reality as reality is, in a state of inebriation, or or end oblivious to the tremors and turmoils of the world. Again, he cannot see the reality as reality is. Maybe he is not in a state of inebriation, but he is so focused on other things that he cannot see the reality as reality is. He does not see that everyone who comes to this world is leaving it without leaving anything behind. There are sicknesses, there are 
natural disasters, there are tribulations, there are uh, tribulations that come to our beloved ones, there is the separation from you know loved ones that that happens all the time and that's destined to happen because everybody is going to die there is the uh the the predicament of being so needy but having so little or having nothing no power to procure what we what we need but this person remains in oblivious to it he says forget about the world enjoy yourself live the moment Live the moment and, and, and, and deceive yourself that you're happy. As if he would stay in that estate forever, oblivious to the tremors and turmoils of the world, the wartime, as if he would stay in that estate forever. So all, all these reasons. So we both, we, we all asked the question, would I take the offer? And we all said, I assume we all said, yes, I would take the offer. But then we also know that our souls are so resistant to taking the offer. And there are millions, billions of people out there who are not taking the offer. What, what, why is this happening? There is something that deceives us. There is our ego. There is the world. There is the compulsive soul. There is the Satan and so on and so forth. We are being deceived. And, and we are so gullible. That is human nature. We are so gullible. He said, No. Who is the king after all? He is not recognizing the king. I won't sell my property. Nor will I ruin my comfort. He thinks he is in comfort. Why? Because he is oblivious to the turmoils of, of, of the wartime. How can he be in, in a state of comfort if he notices what's going on? He doesn't recognize. He doesn't notice what's going on. Bir zaman sonra birinci adam öyle bir mertebeye çıktı ki herkes haline gıpta ederdi. Padişahın lütfuna mazhar olmuş. Has sarayında saadetle yaşıyor. Diğeri öyle bir hale giriftar olmuş ki hem herkes ona acıyor hem de müstehak diyor. Çünkü hatasının neticesi olan olarak hem saadeti ve mülkü gitmiş hem ceza ve azap çekiyor. After a short while the first man, the, the reasonable one who took the offer, accepted the offer. The first man attained such a high rank that everybody envied his state. He received the king's favor and lived in his royal palace in a state of bliss. Where is his royal palace? The king's royal palace. It may be the garden in the hereafter. It may be this garden like the paradise-like uh, locus in, in, in the grave or it may be in this world because a believer is in a state of bliss in this world too if there is a tribulation that he is fa facing he knows that if he is patient he will be rewarded if there is a blessing that he is receiving he knows that he, if he is grateful he is going to be blessed with it in, in in either way, in either case, this this believer is is is living in a state of bliss. The other man descended to such a deplorable situation that everybody pitied him. Those said they pitied him, but they also said that serves him well, because his property and happiness 
departed him. Is there anyone out there whose property and happiness did not depart him or her, or that did not depart his property and, and, and falsely assumed happiness? Because his property and happiness departed him as a result of his mistake, and he also suffered a tormenting punishment. This is, you know, in, in the after the after demobilization, after the war, he is going to receive a tormenting punishment, and throughout the war, the, because of the you know attrition of the war, he is going to lose everything that he possesses. That's for sure. But even in this. In, in the moment that he is living in, he is going to eat a delicious meal, but then it will be over. And as he is eating the meal, he will know that in, in half an hour, it's going to be over. He will have beloved ones and he will enjoy their company, but he will know that that's going to be over. And this knowledge of separation is going to pierce his conscience. He is going to try to cover it up. He is going to take refuge in heedlessness. But there will be this torment behind the, behind the screen of, the smoke screen of happiness. There will be things going on in the back. And they will be there. Even if he doesn't acknowledge, even if he refuses to recognize or not, even if he turns to the other way, he will know that it is there. He is turning the other way because he knows that it is there. If he did not know that it was there, he would not be turning the other way. He is aware of what's going on. Çünkü hatasının neticesi olarak hem saadeti ve mülkü gitmiş, hem cezaevi azap çekiyor. Because his property and happiness departed him as a result of his mistake, and he also suffered a tormenting punishment. İşte ey nefsi pürheves. So we came again to the reality of the parable. And Ustad Nursi is marking this by addressing his soul. Oh, the soul that is filled with desires, vain desires. Oh, the soul that is filled with vain desires. Oh, my soul that's filled with vain desires. Şu misalin durbini ile hakikatin yüzüne bak. Make this parable a telescope to see the countenance of truth. So if truth appears to be far from you, because it's so distant that you cannot see it, make this parable a telescope, a, a, a more, maybe a binocular. Make this parable a telescope and use it to see the countenance of truth. Look at to look at the truth with this with with the with this instrument. Here is an instrument for you that should help you see truth. See reality as reality is. And if you listen to this with a pure heart, we already, at least I can speak for myself, we already must have uh, come closer to a recognition of our human condition. That is the reality that we are talking about here. Amma o padişah ise ezel ebed sultanı olan Rabbin halikindir. Ve o çiftlikler, makineler, aletler, mizanlar ise senin daire-i hayatın içindeki mamelekin ve o mamelekin içindeki cisim, ruh ve kalbin ve onlar içindeki göz ve dil, akıl ve hayal gibi zahiri ve batını, batini hastelerindir. 
ve o yaveri ekrem ise Resulü Kerim'dir ve o fermanı ahkem ise Kur'an-ı Hakim'dir ki bahsinde bulunduğumuz ticaret azimeyi şu ayetle ilan ediyor. Eûzubillah İnnallâh eşterâ minel mu'minîne enfusehum ve emvâlehum bi enne lehumul cennet The verse that we read at the beginning. O oh, the soul that is filled with desires, make this parable a telescope to see the countenance of truth. So what is the truth? What is reality that is being explained here? That king is our nurturing master, Rabb, our nurturing master. We should we should imbibe this word, Rabb, Rabb, Rabb, Rabbuna. That is how we address God, Rabbi, Rabbi, our caring master. He is our master and he is our caretaker. We don't have any resort for any of our needs other than him. And he is merciful, Rabbuna, and creator, Khalaq. He created us and he created everything, everything that we may be in need of. That king is your nurturing master and creator who is the master of pre-existence and eternity. This is basically before time and after time and everything in time. As for those estates, machines, tools and scales, they stand for your possessions in this life. Your body, your soul and heart among those possessions and your inner and physical senses attached to them, your eyes, your ears, your ability to sense love, your ability to sense anger, your ability to sense that there is something behind, behind this, there is a creator behind all of this, your ability to know God, inner and physical senses attached to them, such as your eyes, tongue, intellect, and imagination. That most noble officer is the gracious Prophet sallallahu alaihi That most wise, wise proclamation. Remember the the proclamation how wise and how compassionate it was. Is the wisdom filled Quran, the Quran Kareem. So Kareem means um, we, we, we translate it as holy. We translate it as holy, honorable, but also generous. It gives and gives and gives. You can find treasures in the Quran. Look at the, the, the look at this pro, promise or offer. Where is it coming from? It is coming from the Quran. Look at the generosity. Is the wisdom filled Quran, which announces the deal that we had mentioned before with the following verse, which we already read. God has purchased from the believers their souls, their selves, and their property or possessions in return for the garden. Ve o dalgalı muharebe meydanı ise şu fırtınalı dünya yüzüdür ki durmuyor, dönüyor, bozuluyor ve her insanın aklına şu fikri veriyor. Madem her şey elimizden çıkacak, Madem her şey elimizden çıkacak, fani olup kaybolacak, acaba bakiye tebdil edip ibka etmek çaresi yok mu? Deyip düşünürken birden semavi sadayı Kur'an işitiliyor ve der, evet var, hem beş mertebe karlı bir surette güzel ve rahat bir çaresi var. And the turbulent war front is the tumultuous face of this earth. It never stays still. 
So now, now we are talking about the reality. We are talking about the condition of the world, the condition of the the the, the earth on which we are living. It never stays still. It changes and degrades, and it inspires each man and woman to ask. If everything is going to slip out of our hands, will reach an end and disappear. Is there any way to give them permanence and hold on to them? This is this this is a quintessential question that everybody who comes to this earth asks either you know throughout their lives or at least at some point in their lives, at least at the end of it at least at the very end of it. And and when it comes at the very end of it, it hits with the force of the accumulated times that it was not asked. It is the quintessential question. It is going. It's not staying. It's not stable. It is in a state of turmoil. It degrades. It disappears. It may come back for others, but if the world stays, then I am going. My word. My world is disappearing. Everybody has a world. What do I care to what happens to the world of others? I'm, I'm saying this metaphorically. I have compassion. And what happens to the world of others is also bothers me. But let's assume a person who is so selfish that he does not care. What do I care to what happens to other people's world that, that, that this person may say? But even then, even when he does not care about what happens to other people's worlds, his world is disappearing. The world as he knows it is degrading. His face is starting to lose its freshness, the baby face, the, the smoothness, the skin is starting to lose its smoothness. His feet, his legs can bear less weight, can go slower. The food that he eats starts to bother him rather than give him pleasure. He can sleep less. He can take advantage of the blessings of this world less. And this keeps going down. It's a, it's a, it's a downward slope. There is no up. And he's going to ask if everything is going to slip out of our hands, will reach an end and disappear. Is there any way to give them permanence and hold on to them? Genghis Khan, the famous founder of the Mongol Empire, probably one of the uh, most powerful human beings in terms of the, the, the world, like worldly, we are talking about worldly power, one of the most powerful human beings in terms of worldly power that has ever you know, walked the, the earth, one of them in his later age as he is conquering the world he starts from uh, you know what is today mongolia and at this t at the time this happens he is in uh, central asia in bukhara samarkand and he is organizing expeditions to india he hears that there is one man out there uh, somewhere in eastern china who knows who has the uh, secret of ever living secrets of permanence he sends an envoy to find this man. The envoy goes, find this man. And he asks them to bring this person to him, to Genghis Khan. The envoy goes, finds the old man. He is a, a, a Taoist a pre, a priest. And convinces him to come to, to where uh, Genghis is. 
The whole expedition to there takes maybe a year. The whole expedition to where Chinggis is takes a year and a half or so. And this is an immense expense on Chinggis's behalf because the, the man is traveling with a you know large retinue to, to the soldiers and so on and so forth to protect him. And also he has his people around him, so they are going all to, uh, together. Two, three years of hard uh, you know, travel and immense expense. And eventually this person makes it to where Chinggis is in, in Central Asia. They meet and Chinggis asks him, they say, please tell me, they say that you know the secret of ever-living. You know the secret of a permanent life. And the man says, no, I don't. He doesn't know. He, there is no such secret. There is, because it doesn't exist. There is only one secret and the Quran gives it to us. And that's like the, the generous Quran, the honorable, the, the wise Quran gives us. There is a way, way to make our possessions permanent. And we just read about it. If we sell it to the king, he maintains it for us. In a better condition. Not in this world, but in a better condition. He improves it. He maintains it. He, he preserves and maintains and improves it and he gives it to us. That's the only way. There's no other way. But, and, and the man says, I don't know. I have some secrets that may help you to live a better life, improve your health, and maybe prolong your life. The way all doctors that we go today uh, give us, you know, eat less meat and so on and so forth. But I don't have the secret of permanent life. Nobody does. And the most powerful man in terms of worldly power, one of the most powerful, who has walked the earth, has nothing to do about this. He cannot prevent death. He dies. Chinggis died. The Pharaohs died. Alexander the Great died. Caesar died. They all died. All kings died. Nimrud died. All kings died. All kings will die. And even if we imagine ourselves to, you know, to be a king, even if we are so prideful, prideful that we are all walking the earth like a king, we will die. There is no one out there who did not die. And we will die too. There is no one out there who was able to latch onto the earth and keep it forever. Even throughout his you know, short-span life. Even that does not happen. We possess something at some point in our lives and then that starts degrading. If it does not start degrading, degrading, we get used to it and we start losing our interest in it. The utility, whatever that is, gives us, keeps diminishing. The rule of diminishing returns is uh, in effect, in, in, in the way we enjoy life, in the way we enjoy the world. So there is no one out there who is able to stay. And therefore everybody asks, if everything is going to slip out of our hands, will reach an end and disappear. Is there any way to give them permanence and hold on to them? This is the question. And as humans 
seek an answer to this question, the heavenly voice of the Quran proclaims. Remember, this is the reality. The, the, the reality of the turbulent war front was the face of the earth. And the question is, can we, can we keep it despite the war? And the answer comes from the heavens in the Quran and proclaims, yes, there is. There is an easy and beautiful solution, profitable in five ways. Then we ask, question, su'al, nedir, what is it? What is this beautiful and profitable way? What is this easy profit? Tell it to me. El-Jawab, emaneti sahibi hakikisine satmak. İşte o satışta beş derece kar içinde Answer. Selling what is in your trust to its true owner. And we should recognize this one more time. Sometimes we imagine imagine ourselves to be the kings, the, the, the owners of what is in our hands. But that is not true. Everything we are enjoying, blessed with, is given to us in trust. And the way to give them permanence is selling what is in your trust to its true owner. And if we do that, look, there are five layers of profit in that sale. We already read about it in the parable. But then there is going to be an explanation of each of those profits that are hinted to in the parable. And inshallah, we are going to read that in the next episode. سبحانك لا علم لنا إلا ما علمتنا إنك أنت العليم الحكيم فآخر الدعوة هم أن الحمد لله رب العالمين الفاتحة